Hey there, I'm Brian Kateman, host of the Reducetarian Podcast, where I speak to experts in their field about how to accomplish a concrete goal that advances our shared mission for a more sustainable, healthy, and compassionate world. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Midge and Ron, thanks so much for being on the Reducetarian Podcast. Hello. Thanks Hi, for having thanks us, for, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Excellent. Well, I'm very excited that you're here. I love talking about community-based initiatives, how to build grassroots initiatives, and I know that's what we're here to talk about today. But before we do so, can you both just give a little bit of background on who you are and, and what organization you're with? Sure. So um, my name is Midge Iorio, and I, um, I love my job. I am the executive director of a grassroots um, community climate active nonprofit called Bedford 2030. We're based in Bedford, New York, which is northern Westchester. And for the past um, 11 years, we've been leading um, community climate action with the goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and preserve natural resources in the town of Bedford and beyond. Excellent. Nice and succinct. Thanks for that. How about you, Ron? So I am Ron Hernandez. I'm the managing director for the Monday Campaigns, um, which is a public health initiative that includes uh, several different concepts, including Meatless Monday. Um, and basically what we try to do is get people to change their healthy behaviors um, in an effort to reduce um, the incidence of chronic disease. And in the case of Meatless Monday, um, there's also the added benefit of being able to reduce um, the impact on the environment uh, by transitioning people from more meat-based diets to more plant-based diets. Awesome. Everyone knows and loves Meatless Monday. Definitely my, my favorite strategy and entry point into encouraging folks to cut back on animal products. So yeah. it's a very cool thing. Um, so, you know, I think I'll, I know for myself, I often have, I suppose, fallen, I don't know what the phrasing is, but I've been tempted by the idea of always focusing on sort of large scale initiatives that are international and focused, maybe because of my communications background. I'm always thinking about how to reach, you know, billions of people with a, with a single message. And the more I've been in this movement, I realized that there's um, a tremendous amount of value in, of course, sort of local initiatives, community-based initiatives. And I was very taken by an email that I received from, from one of your colleagues about this Bedford 2020 um, initiative. So for folks who are not familiar with it, and I'm not entirely familiar with it. I'd love for you to give a little background on, on what that is, just as a, an entryway into this discussion. Sure, absolutely. So, so the town of Bedford, New York, um, and actually it really started with a group of passionate community members way back in around 2009, 2010, a group of community members and our town government, our town supervisor at the time, really felt we now is the time we have to do something about climate action. And so the community actually wrote what was um, the first climate action plan in all of Westchester County and one of the first in New York state and set what at the time was a very aggressive goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 20% by 2020. And the way, and, and actually the, the town and this group had the foresight to say, well, that climate action plan will just sit on a shelf unless we can create a community of advocates to go out and educate, inspire, and drive behavior change. And so this, our nonprofit, Bedford 2030, was formed. And for 10 years, we launched programs and campaigns to drive behavior change and all the whole gambit of climate actions in the plan from energy efficiency to renewable energy to waste and recycling um, 
sustainable land practices and local food was was one of the climate action areas. We um, we've we've worked with many partners, many community members, and we actually in 2019 reported that we we actually surpassed our 20% by 2020 goal, which was very exciting. And we used to say we were going to reach our goal and go out of business. But uh, <laughs> as we all know, there's quite a bit more work to do. So we relaunched this past year as Bedford 2030, uh, wrote a new climate action plan with an aggressive goal to reduce emissions 80% by 2030, and have committed to 10 more years of climate action. Very cool. So just, just to clarify, roughly how many people are in this, this community known as Bedford? So Bedford is about, I think it's 18,000. And certainly over the past 11 years are, depending on the program or the campaign, you know, including the one that we're talking about today, our reach has expanded beyond Bedford in sure. terms of participation, or we've modeled some stuff that we've done and shared it with other communities. So Got it. Okay. But there's, you know, roughly 20,000 people in Bedford and your nonprofit has created engagement with the town and specifically in the context of, of this particular initiative, which we're going to talk about, it sounds like you managed to enlist several hundred people to participate. It just, so I understand the the kind of numbers. Is that right? Yes, I think I think there were about um, over 300 people who actually took the pledge to participate in the campaign. And then on top of that, we engaged local restaurants, our local hospital, our local government. So um, and that's really that's our model for this campaign and, and overall you know, to, to get to get anything done is, you know, bring everyone in, empower them to be a part of the solution. And yeah. Um, you know, true grassroots. So I'm, I'm imagining being a part of a, a community. And I mean, would I have gone an email? Would I have walked into a restaurant and seen an advertisement for this? I mean, how did you, how did you reach the people to get them to participate? So we start, well, we started with this, first of all, we held a, what was called a, the Bedford 2020. That's what we were called at the time food forum in 2017. And that was all about all things, local food, healthy food, food and climate. And we coming out of that 950 people came to that. So for a small community, that is a lot. It's a lot. And one of our big priorities and learnings from that were that people didn't really understand the correlation between climate change and food choice. So that was sort of our starting point, that event. And then when we decided we wanted to do this campaign, we reached out to look for partners who made sense. And we, we reached out to Ron and to the Mondays group. And we, you know, in, in collaboration with them, we, we set out a plan for the campaign. We, we then recruited a group of 25 people who were on the Meatless Monday with Bedford 2030 Steering Committee. And that core group then got people to take the pledge, signed up restaurants who put little cards in, in the restaurant, signed up local food purveyors who had a card or a poster up and maybe had a special promotion. We got our town board to pass a resolution in support of the campaign. And that's really sort of how we kicked it off. And then we had a lot of tips and tools and resources and a newsletter and events 
you know, leading into it and throughout the 12 weeks of the campaign. All right. So we, we, we've accomplished the podcast in three minutes. That was a good, that was a great summary of, of what to do. Here. Oh, well, so, okay. okay, but let's back, let's back way up here. So okay, there's, I'm just imagining there's, again, there's this community of 18,000 people and the goal okay. is to get them engaged. So at some point, someone had the brilliant idea, I imagine to start a nonprofit or the, right. The Bedford 2020. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so were you, did, first of all, did you start that or did you have a colleague who started it? No. What? So it was, I was their first employee and I was hired about a year after the nonprofit was formed. So okay. it was, it was that group of community members that got a climate action plan. The first in Westchester County passed. Got it. So there's some people in the community care a lot about climate. They want to engage their community. So they establish a nonprofit and then, and then we have an episode on how to do that. And then they are trying to figure out ways to activate that community. And one of those ways was through the forum, right? This, this conference Correct. that you held. Yeah. And yes. the, was the goal of the conference to figure out what the community wanted to do or to collect information, get people to meet each other? Why did you hold the forum? Well, we, well, we've had, we really started with a, with a forum. We hosted a summit um, when we launched the climate action plan. So it's something we do about every other year. And we really wanted to, bring together community members and experts all around local food, around buying, growing, eating, and sharing food. And to it was really an education and networking day all around that topic. Got it. Okay. All right. And then from that, from that meeting, you realized that there was a lot of uh, either confusion or lack of information about how food choices relate to that overarching goal of climate. Is that right? I would say that our speaker that day was um, Mark Bittman, who we, we everyone knows Mark is, um, has wrote, written many, you know, food cookbooks and wrote for the New York Times and uh, um, and does a lot around food and climate. And he, in his remarks, he spoke a lot about that topic. And it, it one, it resonated with people. Right. Two, we really, you know, people really didn't, you know, literally make a connection between food choice and climate change. So we saw a real opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. So this is amazing. I mean, you have this highly engaged group of people in a, in a town and then you have this interest to do something around climate change, specifically in the context of food. Did you then contact Ron and, and Meatless Monday to say, we, we want to do something with this group or how did you figure out exactly what the, what the plan was going to be? Well, I, you know, we, again, sort of the way any plan starts, we, you know, coming out of the food forum, we got together a group of people and started, you know, brainstorming around what we could do. And this idea of, of meatless, you know, of, of trying to reduce the amount of meat that people eat um, seemed like a, a great way to make this connection. And then, yes, um, we did reach out to Ron um, or to the meatless group. Somebody in our group knew somebody there somehow. I can't remember. Um, I think we actually had an intern who did a lot of re <laughs> now I'm remembering all of this. It was a few years ago. We had a, um, an intern who did a lot of research. And I mean, clearly this came up as you know, a great model, a great grassroots campaign that was, it just seemed like, you know, a perfect synergy. I think that we called probably just to network and get information. And then, you know, one thing led to another and we ended up collaborating. And so before you contacted Meatless Monday, did you already have the idea for the design? I, and we're going to talk about the specifics of the actual program, but I just want to get a sense if you, rem if you remember, or was it a more, like, I guess. I mean, I, yeah. 
God. I mean, I feel like you're asking me for a recipe and this was a, <laughs> it was a little more or it was a little more organic than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think we, <laughs> we probably recruited, a, you know, a small steering committee, not knowing exactly what we wanted to do. And, uh, you know, we talked to, to Ron and we talked to, you know, whomever else seemed like a great, the high thing we probably talked to the hospital actually before we literally decided on this campaign. But, but then once we landed, you know, on the idea, then we, yeah. we you know, we built from there. I don't, I don't yeah, want to. Yeah. I don't want to well, spoil everything. Right? <laughs> yeah, let Ron have a turn. I, I I can interject a couple of things here because I, I do recall some of these pieces that that um, came together and and to the point, um, it was pretty organic in terms of you know the initial outreach of well we're thinking about doing this idea um, and <laughs> what kind of resources do you have um, and basically you know Meatless Monday is a global movement so we've been doing this since two thousand three. Um, we've got a lot of experience as far as messaging to inform people about the benefits of reducing their meat consumption. Um, and we had a lot of resources, which is part of the, the way that I imagine the intern found us. Um, we had a very active web presence, social media following. Um, and Meatless Monday as a concept has actually been adopted in more than 40 countries. So there was we were fairly um, well uh, distributed um, <laughs> by, by the time that but by the time that Midge's group reached out to us, what was great about it is they basically had access to all of the different types of institutions that we often will, you know, partner with in order to do a Meatless Monday promotion or implementation. So what was fantastic about the way Bedford 2030 now um, <laughs> worked is that they already kind of had their tentacles in the community. So right. they had access to all of the players that can actually help influence food choice. So as, as Mitch said, they already had a contact at the hospital who had given them some feedback. They had uh, contacts within the restaurant system, within schools, um, within community or other community organizations, city government. So what, what was nice about the synergy of our different expertise is that, um, you know, Mitch's group already had that framework in place. And we had all the resources that we knew worked in messaging for those different types of organizations. So one of the things that we also did was, um, as, as Mitch said, we, we sort of um, were part of the steering committee um, and people who were activating volunteers within the community. So we actually did a couple of different training webinars with that team to, to give them messaging and show them the resources that would be available should anybody say yes, you know, I'm raising my hand, I wanna participate in this program because I see the importance of it. So, so all of those pieces kind of came together in a really, what I thought was fairly seamless way um, <laughs> because you know so many of the pieces were already there. It was just about organizing them together. I love that. And it really is a fair point, point that I am trying to bring order to what is probably somewhat chaotic of an experience. Yeah. And I, and I do, I do get that. Um, and could I just add one thing? Is yeah, that okay? Of course. You so always just, can. Um, yeah. So just in kind of going back to the recipe metaphor um, <laughs> that we, that, that Bedford 2030, you know, leading up to this campaign, we, we launched a whole campaign to get to, to educate community members about energy efficiency and, you know, why it's important to get an energy efficiency um, done in their home and how you would go about getting an, um, you know, an energy efficiency upgrade done. And it's, it's kind of the same model where, 
Um, we're this public-private partnership with the town government, and we partnered in that in that case with a group called Energize New York. So another, you know, big trusted source, and just brought in the right community partners and community members to to make it happen. So, I mean, if so, that is a little bit our recipe. I mean, I the you know I find it very impressive. It's very hard for my six friends to agree on a time and to get together on a Zoom call. So, so to manage to get hundreds of people to to do something, um, I think is a very impressive thing. Um, we're teasing all of the listeners by not being very specific about what this program is. So now's a good time to <laughs> to do that. Um, this is either for you, Midge or Ron. I'd love to just understand what exactly the program was. What were you asking people to do? How many weeks was it? Just the full rundown from, from a high level perspective all the way to some of the steps that you took to implement it. And I'm happy to help along the way, but let's get a sense of, of what incredible thing you did. Do you want me to you start? Want, yeah, yeah. go ahead right. and start, Mitch. All I, right, I have up. more of the Monday per- perspective okay. on it, but um, All right. I'd love okay. to but let you Feel free to first. chime in if I okay. go on in one of my concise little... <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so really, again, the main goal was to help people to make a connection between food choice and, and climate change. And we asked people, we started by t- asking people to take a pledge, literally online, take a pledge to try to um, go meatless one day a week. And we we were able to um, recruit them through our steering committee. We recruited kind of a nice cross-section of people who had obviously friends, neighbors, but also who were affiliated with a house of worship or a school PTO. So, so and this was, a, you know, every one thing for sure, and I know Ron knows this, and both of you know this, is everybody loves food. So, it's a great convening um, framework. And so then, so people signed up, took the pledge and we, we wrote them. I can't believe we did this. We wrote them a newsletter every, every week um, that had, um, it had a recipe in it. And, and we got people participating in the campaign to submit recipes. It had. Um, how many weeks was the program? Do you know? Oh, sorry. It was 12 yeah. weeks. So they were committing to go meatless one day a week for 12 weeks. And so, and so just to review, so you're, you've decided that you want people to, to pledge to eat a meatless Monday, not having meat on Mondays for 12 weeks. You need, you have Bedford, you have the community, but you have to recruit those participants. So you relied on the steering committee committee is people that are involved in in the nonprofit and are members of the community. Yeah. Or yes. Or people, they're all members of the community. Um, people, people who um, we we chose to a certain extent because we knew they had the right connections or cared about this topic. Um, and we also do we have a, we have a big list. Um, we have a list of of thirty five hundred people. So we did you know we put it out there through our list. Yeah. We did a press release in the local paper, social media. Um, but I think that you know, like anything, the way to bring people in is you know someone who knows you, Brian, says, "Look, I'm doing this thing. It's going to be really interesting. It's just one day a week. Won't you sign up?" Very. But cool. um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is how you went about recruiting recruiting the participants. I know, Correct. I know, I'm trying to bring order to chaos. But was there like a we're going to give it five weeks before we actually click go on week one? Did you have some? some plan for how long it was going to take to get some people? So the answer for sure is yes. We, we (laughs) did a whole, I'm sure we had a whole timetable from recruiting the steering committee or the meatless, I should call it the meatless Monday with Bedford 2020 committee 
to, you know, finishing the campaign and, and Mark figuring the results out. So I'm sure we left a good, you know, four, four weeks, you know, three or four weeks to get people to take the pledge. Oh, I'm sorry. And we actually had another summit in 2018. Um, so another big climate action summit. And so that one of the ways people could actually sign up was at that summit. Um, Ron and his group spoke there. And so anything from, you know, neighbor to neighbor coming to this event to getting an email, reading about it in the local paper. Yep. So we cast a wide net to get, to get those 300 plus people. And maybe this is a question for Ron, but was there any particular messaging that you found was, you know, particularly effective? Like I, 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 th- I can think of very bad messaging that I could you know, spit, <laughs> spit out right now. Um, but I imagine, I imagine Meatless Monday has a lot to say about how to effectively recruit um, people to participate in, in, in a Meatless Monday initiative. So what did you, yes. what are your thoughts well, on that? Well, I mean, it, uh, a lot of our, the foundation of all of our concepts in Meatless Monday, especially, um, is that doing something one day a week on a Monday is pretty easy. Um, it's accessible. It doesn't feel like um, you're, you're making too big an ask of, of people. And what we know um, from our research about um, using a Monday queue, what we like to call the healthy Monday refresh, um, is that people are more likely to start a healthy behavior on a Monday than other days of the week. Um, and people who say that about themselves also describe being more likely to continue that behavior for the rest of the week. So when you think about um, the Monday uh, and Meatless Monday as a behavior change concept, it, it's much more accessible and it's got a higher likelihood of success if you can get people on that Monday. So to Midge's point earlier, you know, um, this 12-week challenge, part of the reason why I think um, that we were able to get more lift off there was because it's an accessible request. Um, and it doesn't and it doesn't seem like too heavy a lift when when you're going into a community and saying, hey, can you do this one day a week? I bet you can. Um, right. And so that made made the um, made the process a little bit easier. So um, you know, in terms of the messaging, we, we've used a combination of different messages with Meatless Monday to get people to make this behavior change. So um, we often, of course, everything um, the Monday campaigns does is starting off with, uh, with the concept of health. Um, so we have a number of different health messages we talk about in terms of reducing meat consumption related to reduced um, onset of diabetes, obesity, heart disease. Um, but then the environmental aspects of reducing meat consumption are huge um, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, um, in terms of water usage, in terms of land usage. So we actually have a whole series of messaging around that as well. Um, more recently, um, we've, we've done series of material around immunity boosting um, mm. benefits of plant-based foods, which has become um, a really important topic over the last year. Um, just to, because people are more aware of those types of choices. So, you know, we're constantly evolving our messaging to get people um, more aware of the connection between meat consumption and these different issues. Um, and in this case, of course, environment. Um, but we're gonna keep on evolving that um, just in so much as uh, the, the messages that we design um, can get more people to be aware and to participate in the practice. And obviously, Meatless Monday has, you know, a wealth of, of knowledge, as you said, that's been built on many, many years and, and campaigns. But I, 
think the broad idea here is make sure your messaging works, make sure it's persuasive and it <laughs> actually, you know, hits a target audience. And I gather that Bedford community members do care like most people about their health, but also to some extent climate and, and some of the other levers. Is that right, Midge? That's, that's definitely true. I think, you know, in our community and, and many communities, I think the other thing that really worked about the messaging was, you know, making people, people like to feel like they're a part of something. And this was, this wasn't, you know, as Ron said, it wasn't a huge lift. It was, you know, pledging to, to do something for 12 weeks, which, you know, I don't know how we said 12 weeks, but it's not a long, that long of a period. It doesn't really cost anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, people are, are, you know, people really do like to be a part of something. And so I think by bringing, you know, by messaging, you know, directly bringing people in, um, you know, knowing that it's part of our local restaurants and part, you know, everybody was, you know, it was sort of a, a thing to do in our community. And, and, and I do think we did a good job of, you know, you, you went into a lot of, I even was part of the campaign and was surprised when I would go into a restaurant or a local food shop. I'm like, oh my God, you're, you're part of this too. So it was really for that period of time, we really, it just felt like something was actually happening. What role did the restaurants play? Did they have like vegan vegetarian options on Mondays, extra ones or what? So, so all of the restaurants we recruited, I think they already all did have vegetarian dishes, but they, they eat, they promoted, they did different things, but they promoted special meals on Mondays. Some of them actually offered a discount. If you ordered that meal, they they put posters up little, um, we made table food, little food tents that could go on a table. So I think this is, I mean, I'm just, just saying how much I love this. I think it's the coolest thing <laughs> in the world. I mean, no, this is a very inspiring idea that people can actually come together and a whole community could rally behind a cause and that everyday people can create a campaign to make that happen. You know, I don't, I think anyone can do this anywhere. If you are part of a community and you can build enough momentum, that to me is a, a very, very cool and in, inspiring thing. So I think this is awesome. Um, okay. So in terms of the, the the couple hundred people who participated, did you collect any information on them like prior to them starting? Do you know what what they ate or who they were or just, you know, I'd be curious to understand that. So we did collect, we, I can't, um, I wish I'd gone back and looked at, we did ask them to fill out a short questionnaire in terms of how many, you know, members in, there were in the family, were there kids in the household? how, you know, what their eating habits were like before. Um, I, we asked some questions about, you know, their knowledge of food and climate, why they'd be interested in participating in this, you know, everything from health to, to climate as a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so we did get, you know, a, a certain amount of data about, okay. about everybody. And this is also an opportunity to give some credit to our uh, colleagues over at the center for a little bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. John yeah. Hopkins. Yeah. Because they were, um, the 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 leads in terms of doing the research on um, on the Bedford community and understanding um, what the baseline was, what did people know about the relationship between climate and food choices, and and as Mitch says, um, just getting sort of a demographic profile of the different households um, of the Bedford community. So we were able to really see um, sort of baseline and. What was what's fantastic about this, and in the study itself, um, as you you've probably read. Um, Brian, is that um, there was an increase in the level of awareness that people described after the challenge was over um, right. in that they understood um, in, a, in a more substantial way that 
there is this connection between the food that they're they're eating and um, how it's impacting the environment. So so those were just some of the things. I mean, uh, the the other things that were really encouraging about the study were that um, you know more than ninety percent of the people described um, being more likely um, to eat meatless meals in the future. Amazing. So. Um, so there were, you know, some really wonderful outcomes and it, it all happened because of this level of um, collaboration between us um, and the messaging, uh, which by the way, we developed with uh, the Center for Livable Future because um, we really look at developing our messaging um, in a way that's evidence-based and, and has some sort of scientific research associated with it. So, so when we put those messages out, um, they've got a lot of um, detail and substance to them. It's not just some um, sort of assumption about what's going on. Um, it's actually based in science. And this is what I also very much appreciate about this initiative is that it it is a study, but it, of course you've implemented an actual program, but you studied it to make sure that it worked, which is really neat because that's obviously useful, not just in terms of the actual program that you did and knowing what its impacts were, but for someone like me who is now very excited about doing uh, local-based initiative because, and I will, I will, I was going to save these until the end because we haven't gone to the end of the results yet, but you've made me too excited here. I see <laughs> uh, over, o- over the nine months in which the surveys were conducted, there were significant reductions in the frequency at which households consumed meat remaining even after the conclusion of the 12-week campaign. Six months after the program, 90% of those surveys, as you mentioned, indicated that they were likely to continue to reduce their meat consumption at least once a week moving forward. And after six months, 84% of survey respondents described eating more meatless dishes and 62% described members of their household eating less meat. So this is was obviously very impactful. And you've managed to reach not only those 300 people who participated, but their family members and, and of, of course, others. Um, but now that we've given away the spoiler alert, right, that this is actually work, um, you have these 300 people, you understand a little bit about their behavior. You, you alluded to this, Midge, that there were, um, you know, messages that you you sent out weekly. I gather you had restaurants that were part of the initiative that, you know, helped um, make it easier for people to actually, uh, and, and in some cases, uh, cheaper to engage in that program. Um, was there anything and noteworthy that you did during those 12 weeks that you, you think um, kind of pushed or nudged or supported people along their journey besides the ones we just we just covered? So I, I would definitely say engaging the participants. So when we when we when we published one of our weekly e-newsletters, if there was a recipe, it came from a community member and we, you know, we gave them credit and asked them to send a picture. And sometimes some it was somebody making it with their kids. So it was very, you know, real and part of our community. Um, we did offer up support if anybody wanted had questions or concerns um, mm. you know that they were able, able to reach out to us we did do a couple of related events during the course of the 12 weeks we did a screening of the film wasted which is a food waste film and invited the community to come and had a couple of local chefs come and speak and uh, we did another really fun one a, a local restaurant um, did a whole meatless meal. So you could, you know, pay a, a reasonable price. And we all sat in one of those big banquet rooms and, and had a, like a really delicious five course meatless meal. And um, the other thing I'd say that this wasn't like really a tactic, but we also, we, there was no pressure. Like if you couldn't do it on Monday, you could do it any night of the week. Um, if, if you missed a week, you know, keep going, you know, let, you know, you do it next week. Uh, so there was, it was very, um, you know, um, 
open to succeed. You know, we, we really wanted people to succeed. Very cool. That's awesome. All right. And then after this 12 week period, um, it sounds like there was, and you know, you referenced the, the livable, what can you say the name of the organization again? So I give them proper credit. It's the Center for a Livable Future at Johns Hopkins, uh, Bloomberg School of Public Health. Excellent. There you go. Kudos to them. Um, so they they were also helpful. It sounds like in in the in the sort of post survey, right? Like what did you know after the twelve weeks were over? How were people's attitudes? How did their behavior change? And um, was there anything else that you did in the post that's that's interesting, or was there that really mostly about the the surveys? Um, in terms of collecting data, you mean, or just like, did you, did, did, I don't know, did, did restaurants continue to participate or was there something that you felt helped people go beyond the 12 week period that you did? And if not, that's fine. That's even cooler. So just, I can yeah. share just anecdotally. There's like a couple of local restaurants kept doing it. Um, at well, after the campaign, yeah. they, they, um, loved that, um, you know, pe- we continue to get requests, you know, questions and information and people tap into our recipe bank. And, um, and I will also share that um, this is a little beyond that. But when I go and talk about Bedford 2030 to other communities, this is always a popular topic. Everyone always wants to know about this campaign, wants to know, you know, how they could do it. What, what's, what are the resources? So I don't know, Ron, do you have anything to add to that? Um, no, I mean, in terms of, uh, how it extended into the community, you're going to know a lot more about that than yeah. I will. Um, yeah. but, and we're going to be talking about that later this week, but, um, yeah. but I mean, in terms of the survey results, I mean, a lot of it was intention to continue, Brian, in terms of yeah. what people reported about their own behavior. Cause we, we really looked at this and the center for Livable future was instrumental in, in the thinking here is, um, really just trying to get a better understanding of how it changed behavior. Right. Um, so the hope being that, you know, we would see an increased reporting of the number of uh, people saying that they were going to continue eating meatless meals. Um, uh, did it increase from the time that they were originally introduced to the concept? And in most cases it was yes. Um, the, the statistics you reported are kind of some of the key findings that came out of it. So um, you know, more than I, I have another statistic that I was just looking at here. Um, you know, more than half of the responded, uh, 56% of the respondents said that they were eating less meat compared to before the challenge. So, you know, that's more than half of the people saying, okay, I've, I've made this commitment, so I'm, I'm keeping it going. Um, how that translates to all the institutions, Midge would have more information yeah. about, but um, I am hoping that that has continued. Um, one thing that I also want to say in terms of the the weekly um, periodicity of the of the campaign is that with with Meatless Monday, the messaging um, isn't that you just not serve meat in the restaurants and at the cafeterias. The key is promoting the 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 options that don't have meat in them. Because right. um, what we found is people don't want to be told they're n- that something's being taken away. Um, we found it to be much more successful in saying here are the things that are going to help you move forward with a healthier practice. Um, and we've found much better response to that, that sort of messaging. So when you, when you asked about messaging earlier, um, that's something that we really um, had, had made a lot of adjustments um, over time to really acknowledge the fact that people find it much more interesting and attractive to, to know, oh, these options are still available to me. You're just telling me um, the meatless options are the ones that I should choose today and maybe extend to other days of the week. So cool. 
That's awesome. Yeah, no, I noticed that with my own life where, you know, there's often a choice between going to like a vegan restaurant or going to a more, I don't know what to call it, traditional restaurant that also has vegan options. And obviously that's an, an entirely wonderful way um, to, you know, encourage more restaurants to actually make vegan options available. And I liked what Mitch said earlier about some of the restaurants actually um, offering a discount for, for meals that were vegetarian or vegan sounds like um, on a, on a Monday. So to, to help, you know, further incentivize people. And Ash just will also add, you know, one Monday is, you know, a quiet restaurant day. And so, you know, my, my hope is that this campaign also maybe helped to somebody get more interested in going out and supporting a local business on a Monday um, because of the campaign. So cool. So cool. And, and just for sort of broader context here, Bedford 2030 um, has, or 2030 rather, has many initiatives, right? Like you don't just focus on food. This is was no. one initiative that you did. And I ask that because it sounds like to me that you have to educate me. Um, I imagine that there are lots of community-based organizations. Like I don't know if there's a Staten Island 2030 where I'm from or where I live now, Providence 2030 or so on. But I imagine that there are other um, community-based organizations and I think this is again very inspiring because they can also do some kind of initiative like this. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And that's again, that's our model where we're, you know, we're happy to share ideas, campaigns, programs, learning, and and we're also, you know, eager as you know, as we did with you know Meatless Monday to adopt something that works and and bring it to our community. Very cool. Now, in terms of someone who's maybe listening to this and wants to do this, um, I wonder how funding works. You'll have to tell me, like, if I were to start a Providence 2030 initiative, if you'd allow me to, to steal 2030, um, uh, do I, like, if I want to fundraise to do this initiative, do some of your, do the funds that you have actually come from local community members that are, that are excited about improving their community or you know, t- tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So we, yes, we, we do fundraise and we get individual donation donations from community members. Um, we've gotten, we get some, we have some grants that we've gotten for our whole organization or for specific programs. We have events and we've had sponsors. So we've had some business supporters. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, we do have a, a real breadth of programs that we do. So, so, um, you know, depending on the program, um, you know, different people are interested in different climate solutions. Cool. And Ron, you might have perspectives here because, again, I'm so excited about the idea of replicating this initiative in, in lots of lots of places. Obviously, it can be done with local communities, but I imagine it also could be done with like, I don't know, clubs or like schools or really any place where there's a tight knit group of people or, you know, somewhat close um, either in proximity or some shared values, um, religious institutions. Ron, I'm sure you've you've seen this in, in, in lots of other capacities that folks using Meatless Monday. Yeah, I mean, we do see it across um, the board in terms of institutional partners that um, use the Meatless Monday concept in promoting uh, the plant-based dishes that they offer. So we work with everyone across the board. So as you probably know, in New York City, um, uh, Meatless Monday is one of the um, things that they describe in their 10-year food um, policy plan where um, it's been adopted in the public city schools. So all the students um, 
are offered meatless Monday dishes on Mondays um, every week of the school year. Um, that has extended into other institutions in the city as well. So, so you get that kind of uptake and then it becomes city policy and it's sort of um, the trajectory that I imagine, um, I don't want to speak for you, Midge, that you, you want to see is that it gets taken on as um, something that the government is also behind and, um, and it, it gets sort of a broader uh, distribution in that way. But we also work at um, more specific levels in terms of working with um, hospitals. We work with um, you know, businesses who, who offer food. We work with brands um, who want to promote um, different options. So, so it really just runs across the gamut in terms of getting the visibility of the concept out and really to some degree training them on how to message because um, the point I was making earlier where um, you don't want to tell people to just take it off the menu. You want to tell people this healthier option is um, the direction you should go. Um, so it's really about making the food choices look delicious and accessible and easy to do because, you know, so much of the messaging that I think was successful too with Bedford 2020 and in most cases is you make the food look good too. Um, you know, that's a really important component of any campaign and promotion you're putting together. Amazing, amazing. Honestly, I think we did it. I mean, is there anything we missed on on how to kind of replicate something like this? What do you think? So I did. I did have one little recipe ingredient that that I would mention, <laughs> which um, which I think for this campaign and everything that we've done has really been um, important is setting a goal and then measuring progress and and sharing with everybody how we're doing in terms of achieving that goal. So, you know, our goal to get you know a lot of people could participating so over 300 households which is a lot on a community level and then you know periodically we would um calculate based on looking like at a at a carbon tracker um you know how many greenhouse gas emissions we had reduced with this campaign and that's equivalent to taking x number of cars off the road or planting x number of trees so that that setting a goal and tracking it really was um important in, in terms of engaging the community and, and having people see really you yeah. know, what, what, how this could have an impact. So cool. Yeah. And what I, I would add to, to that too is um, Meatless Monday is constantly producing new resources uh, to get these types of messages across. And so we're always encouraging organizations to come straight to us. Um, we have a ton of downloadable, downloadable materials from our website, you know, about the benefits of plant proteins, about um, immunity boosting benefits of plant-based foods, about um, you know the environmental benefits, of course. So we're constantly evolving that list as things um, as we get more science around it. Um, so all of the materials that we make available are free. So an organization doesn't need to pay us a fee or anything to use them. They just come in, take what feels relevant for them, and start distributing. Um, the, the other element that I'll describe too is that the collaboration is hugely important because working with uh, Bedford 2030 was how this really was able to get off the ground. You need those sort of on the ground advocates to, to really distribute the message because we're a small team at the, the Monday campaigns and Meatless Monday. So we can't have um, mm -hmm. people on the ground in every single community around the world that we're trying to influence. But by working with a really strong organization, we're able to give them the messaging that's appropriate for their teams. Um, and they know what's going to work with the people in their community. And that's one of the aspects I really like about this is that it's very much a kind of bottom up approach, right? I mean, 
I think of the work that I do, a lot of it is me feels like I'm just shouting into the ether at people who don't know me and, and just trying to convince them to make a change. But this is from people in the community that are engaged, that know other people. And so, of course, uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have the, you know, on a, to reach millions of people in, in, in the same way as, I don't know, some other initiative. But it, I think it creates a, a kind of depth that's really awesome. Um, and so what it means is that we need lots of people to do this. And so I challenge listeners, you're living somewhere, you're part of some community. You have two great people who have um, indicated that if you're excited to do this, um, please reach out to them, reach out to me, and I'm happy to put you in touch with them. I love the idea that there will be 2030s all over the, the United <laughs> States and the world and, the, and, and various kinds of uh, um, you know, programs geared toward um, recruiting volunteer, you know, community members to, to do a really great thing, which is to participate in, yeah. in something like Meatless Monday. Um, yeah. How'd I do? Is that a good, good, good finish there? Good pitch? Is there anything else? No, thumbs up. Just, I think uh, we covered uh, yeah. some broad and detailed territory. Too, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Good, yeah. Well, I'm very grateful for both of you for being on the Reducitarian podcast and thanks everyone for oh. listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Midge and Ron. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Thanks Ron. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.